0: the endurance asia podcast yo, pick your head up because things ain't that bad maybe you should switch the target that you're aiming at believe perfection is a beast that they'll never catch so never waste another day because life moves so fast and a dream without pursuing yo, they never last another shadow of regret i try to never cast and always tell a truthful story if they ever ask Stop the complaining, cause things ain't
1: that bad. Welcome to episode seventy-six of the Endurance Asia podcast, and we are joined this week by uh, Mister Phil Snowden or Snowy, as he's uh, as he's known, a, uh, a personal trainer uh, working out of, of UFit, and also an absolutely crazy endurance athlete um, from uh, doing. Some ultras, but also just doing some really unique challenges, from ski-erging for 24 hours, rowing 24 hours, pushing a sled for 42 kilometers with his own body weight on it across astroturf in the ufit gym for 50 hours or so just a bit of a madman but also just an impressive impressive athlete who has uh, recently really taken up the the high rocks which has been uh, really growing momentum in uh, like sort of pretty much taking over in, in the sort of OCR space really or the, the hybrid fitness space and uh, and he recently came third in the high rocks in in Singapore uh, but we get into a bit about uh, personal training and the the value of personal training for uh, endurance athletes and the type of training you need to do uh, and and just some of the crazy exploits he's been up to uh, so with that here is Phil Snowden so a truthful story of the stop the complaining cuz things ain't that bad ain't that bad. Mr. Phil Snowden, welcome onto the Endurance Asia podcast. Oh, How you doing, you. sir? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's yeah. good to see you. Um, I've had the pleasure of like doing a training session with you before at, at UFit and yeah. um, and also had the pleasure of witnessing you do the High Rocks a few weeks back in uh, in Singapore, yeah. which we'll we'll get into later in the chat. But needless to say, you absolutely smashed it, mate. It was uh, oh, it was uh, it was interesting and fun to watch you. But um, but yeah, the reason we got you on today, uh, apart from that, is really we've never actually had. Had a PT on the podcast to talk around the like the ideas and the concepts and the importance of strength and conditioning around doing endurance sports. So um, I thought you would be one of the best people to get on because you're not only a PT but you've also done some crazy endurance uh, feats yourself on feet and and we can get into those as well. But um, I suppose to kick off, like it would be good to hear a bit of uh, a bit right. about your background. Uh,
0: okay, so I'll talk about where it all kind of started. I suppose is uh, I was. Uh, an overweight kid Um, and uh, I I joined the army and so I was kicked into shape basically so um,
1: what what age did you join the army so I
0: was 16 um, and I remember on the first day (laughs) uh, my corporal was measuring me up and he had uh, you know his tape measure or whatever for my trousers and he went you're a fat so and so (laughs) aren't you Snowden (laughs) and then I was like Right, I need to sh- shape up a bit here. <laughs> and he's like, don't worry, we'll sort that out. And that was it, basically. And then um, I think in the army, you're sort of, it's back in those days. Uh, this is like in 2000 is when I was in. Um, it was more about endurance, like running, how far you can run and being a fast runner and what have you. Yeah. And I actually got pretty good at it uh, and got quite to a, to a very quite high level at military standards.
1: Um, so you were doing like track, and you were, or, or yeah, you were doing yeah. like rucks with. Yeah, so it up. was
0: be like rucks, and then um, I did a tour in Northern Ireland, um, and so like when you was on camp, because you obviously couldn't go off camp in Northern Ireland, right, because of the fret. So I did a lot of uh, during my downtime, a lot of running on the treadmill. Yeah. And I uh, would just get up at silly o'clock in the morning just to go for runs, just to be the first on the treadmill because it was only one treadmill sort of thing.
1: Yeah. So I suppose... When you, when you were 16, when you say you were overweight, did you actually, what you weighed or like...
0: Uh, uh... I, don't, I don't remember. So like, I remember... Like trying to get my school uniform, and we would have to go to like Burton's to go and get like men's size trousers, and, <laughs> and then yeah. they would have to roll them up at the bottom to like fit me. So I'm probably like, <laughs> 13 years old or whatever, I'd be like 36 waist or something. I've got wow, some like, pretty okay. chubby photos, but yeah. you know, How like did that happened, reckon, as a kid? Just, like, oh man, it was like and... a. So my my dad, uh, my stepdad was old Bill, a uh, policeman. So like, you know, we would be kebabs, <laughs> takeaways yeah. all the time. Uh, and it was, it would encourage me to go and do some exercise. So I'd play football in the park and stuff like that. But uh, it was just the sweets and the treats back indoors, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that's how it was. Uh, but then, you know, I was. it's funny because like, even through my military career, I was probably like stored excess fat because my diet was so wrong. Like yeah. uh, the, the food in the army was actually pretty good and like as in there was lots of it. There was it was pretty much free flow really, um, but it was it was not the most nutritious food. So you, you know like you could have a, a like a fry up every morning kind of thing if you really wanted, yeah. um, and then it'd be chips with every meal and whatever else. So it was it was on there was loads of it. But like, it wasn't always the best food and the best options. So um, I didn't really understand anything about nutrition back then anyway. So I was trying to cut my, my portion sizes down. And I was still trying to maintain like a high performance. Um, I was constantly getting injuries. I was really down and miserable and just really, really low. Um, until I went to Afghanistan. Um, and the food sources were much better because... It was rationed, right? Yeah. So we we only had proper, decent food. And uh, I was obviously running around in the Hindu Kush. You know, I'd sneak what out of camp. What age
1: were you when you did the tour? At, uh, uh, the tour I was the tour.
0: 21 then. Okay. Yeah, 2021. 20, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, I got out when I was 22. So, yeah, so 2021. 20, um, and that's when I. I didn't realise, but when I come back from Afghanistan, that's when I realised, or everyone realised, how fit I got because I've been training up in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Um, And people didn't know I was sneaking out of camp, which is (laughs) very, yeah, very dangerous. And like we weren't allowed to do that, so I'd sneak out the back. And then just go, and later on, actually, when we were closing down the camp, we found out it was a minefield. So we'd Good have kid. these massive, great big anti-mine tanks with these flailing chains, like, clearing the area, stopping because there's some explosion. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <are you> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, very, very lucky in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the views like i don't know why i'm going into this now but the views of those mountains every day was a spectacularly different view because of the seasons and whatever so i used to sneak out in the mornings and just just used to enjoy running it wasn't it's it's funny like we'll come up to it in a bit but like um it's only recently probably this year that i've started training running so i've never trained running yeah, as mad as that may seem so I've never done any timing never paid attention to intervals never did any heart rate zone training or anything like that until I started doing the high rocks yeah. um, but otherwise like running was just leisure for me I just used to like
1: getting out getting so you're never outside. like tracking yourself on Strava never. or using a GPS man. watch like, or I,
0: this watch man it's just a, a stopwatch yeah Timex <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like and funnily enough, like uh, j- only just recently in the last months, when I have been training, doing like more interval training, preparing for the high rocks, that's when I started getting a bit more injuries because I was pushing harder and I hadn't been training up to it. I was like, well, this feels comfortable, so I'll push harder. and. But, yeah, I'll come on to that later.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually saw you on Hierarchs, and you, were like, compl- you looked like you were complaining around oh, about yeah, a hip, yeah, a hip yeah, injury yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah we'll, we'll get into that. Um, and so, yeah, getting in, into the military. So you actually found then that you were a pretty fit dude, and that was the first time you really found your fitness? Yeah,
0: yeah, and that's uh, when I got thought about becoming a personal trainer then. a uh, mate of mine was getting out of the army, and he sort of mentioned it and, like, sold it to me, basically, because he was moving to California. So he was like... Oh, I'm going to be training all the stars and whatever, and I thought, "Oh, that sounds good." Anyway, uh, went back to Chatham, Kent, and it wasn't quite <laughs> Hollywood, that's for sure. <laughs> but like, uh, it was uh, it was a great experience. I got to work with lots of individuals, uh, different backgrounds, different abilities, and what have you. I was just doing my training back then. It was like the buzzword was functional training, um, so it was all about 3D, like a three-dimensional plane training like very different movement patterns and almost what would be nowadays, like looking at the trends, considered a bit wokey. Uh, But I think that helped me, set me up, to be honest, doing like a multi-directional type training, particularly with the hips and then what have you and the ankles. Um, And then from there, what was it, my 30th birthday, we went to Las Vegas because we'd done a lot, well, I say we, that like was my mates at the time, we'd done like the Tough Mudders. Yeah. So there were like 13 mile assault courses but it was all a bit of fun, right? Oh,
1: yeah, I was always a bit against them because there was never any real race aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. kind of a team thing but yeah. it wasn't a race and that's when, like before, and like Spartan came out at a similar time which was like a proper race series which had like a bit more of competition to yeah. it. Yeah,
0: and I think, because uh, I used to own a personal training studio at that time so, it was good because it, we would people take the guys out, and that would give them a bit of a goal to work towards. You know, yeah. we can, you know, work together. There's not a real run; it's only like 500 meters or whatever it is between obstacles. So it was achievable for people, and it made it a bit of fun. And then a few beers at the end. So I suppose that gave me a bit of a taste for it. And then um, the world's toughest mother came up, and yeah. it was like for my 30th, so we're talking about 10 years ago. So for my 30th birthday. Um, I took one, two of my mates and one of my clients to, to Vegas and uh, did the world's toughest mudder. And that, if you're not uh, familiar with it's like a 24-hour race. So it was a five-mile circuit somewhere in the Nevada desert and uh, it had 25 obstacles in and you basically try and do as many laps as you can within the 24 hours. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you start at 10, finish at 10. There was about 1,600 people doing the race. Uh, we were the only Brits doing it and uh, so we had a bit of attention as well because we were the only Brits there and um, by the end of it it was only about 400 people that finished it and they basically had this freak storm (laughs) come out of nowhere that sort of whipped around the US so it started at the top and like they were even getting snow in Texas or something and like it created this sort of whirlwind effect that went through uh, the centre of America and into the, the, the desert so we was running in shorts and like, without a top during the day. And then by night, it was dropping down to, like, minus seven. Like, the winds got up to 50 wow. mile an hour. Like, like People were just pulling out. Low like, the campsite was getting blown away. People were like this. Like, yeah. <laughs> they were tapping out. And um, I remember my my baby boy would, had uh, been born earlier that year. So that was a big motivator for me to kind of keep going, keep going, keep going. The, the lads I was with, they pulled out at midnight and I kept going and I managed to get to about eight o'clock in the morning and like it was a, a loop, as I mentioned. So you kind of come into your campsite and then you go back out the campsite. That was your loop. Yeah. So that you could get your drinks and food and whatever. And I remember just falling through the tent and just shaking like I couldn't speak. I was I've never felt like everyone could just feel it now. Like talking about it, it would never been so cold in my life, <laughs> and uh, it was horrendous. Uh, so everyone, had, where people had been bailing, they'd been leaving their like their tents, their sleeping bags, like tinfoil, because we weren't prepped for that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they were like wrapping me up in this stuff, trying to get some hot water down in me and whatever, and then they were like. So just bail it don't do this you don't need to do any more. Just stop mate. like and they they basically they'd stop before me, and i was kept i picked it. i kept going longer than they had eight hours longer, and i like, now I think. <sighs> Was you jealous? Uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, it's almost uh, making them yeah. feel better by you. Essentially, not I let them get in my head yeah. and I knew I knew because each lap at that stage was taking me two hours. Five five miles was taking me <laughs> yeah. two hours to do. And I knew, I knew in my head, I, I I flipping knew it, I could do that two hours. I could really push through. But because they got in my head. Yeah. I was like, you're right. I, I should stop. It, it's a bit dodgy. It's a bit dangerous. Yeah, And that was like the justification. And then after that, like, I can feel myself getting angry now about it. Like, I was just so disappointed with myself. So angry. <laughs> and like, to this day, 10 years later, it bothers me. Yeah, that's good. So, Andy, the guy who i done it with, uh, he was disappointed with himself as well. Because he, he obviously bailed out. But he wasn't, a He wasn't as competitive as I was, as in like a. He wasn't in the same sort of shape as as I was, right. So he he was a client of mine who fancied coming along. And thought it'd be a good bit of fun. Um, so we was chatting about it and whatever, and it really got on my nerves. So I was like, at this, I, I need some redemption. So we signed up then for uh, the Beyond the Ultimate. Uh, so it's the Arctic. Uh, 230 or t- it's 230, 250 kilometre race across the Arctic, so north of Sweden. And I was like, right, I'm doing this. And a foot race the whole way. Yeah, 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 yeah. <coughs> so we uh we signed up for that and right, off we went. But like <laughs> the temperatures in the winter are in uh UK are relatively mild <laughs> compared to the Arctic Circle. And um we obviously weren't prepared, like we had the kit. Um, you know, Decathlon is where I got my stuff. He had a bit more money than me, so he would give all, get all the uh, the Gucci stuff, should I say? Like he had carbon fiber flipping snowshoes or something. And uh, anyway, we weren't we weren't used to these snowshoes, so you imagine like you got these massive flip flops on your sh- on on your feet. So the stress that that puts on your tibs on your tibia, you know, I ended up getting stress fractures in both my shins. Wow. Okay. On the first day. So, because it was a stages event, and uh, so I was like, on the first day I was in like the top ten. I was like eighth, I think, if I remember correctly. And so that was like a nice steady pace, but I was just behind the guy in front of me. So I was like just fairly taking it. Are you went snowshoes? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and day two, I woke up, I was in pieces, <laughs> and my my tips, man. Oh my god, I haven't felt pain like that. It was just solid. So um, anyway, that was uh, four more days of that. So I was like, I can't wear these snowshoes. like they're, they're just breaking me. So then <laughs> the next day was, uh, I, I forgot my spikes as well. So I was slipping all over the place because the next stage was basically an icy lake. <laughs> so I was slipping all over the place and then I came in like dead last. And then uh, pretty much every day after that was coming in dead last. And then 30, day uh, four, so Andy got pulled out with hypothermia. <coughs> Um, and I did, I was taking a mick because he fell through the tent, and um, he's a bit of a bit wishy-washy in the gym. So he'd lay all over the floor and like be a bit silly when he was tired or whatever. So I was like, "Oh, he's like this all the time." And they were like, "Get a defib." <laughs>
1: like, oh, and then I
0: was like, "Oh no! Oh, what am I going to tell his wife? I've killed him!" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he got pulled out of the race. So I was like, "Oh, is he going to need them M and M's?" I'm starving. So I started nicking his food. Anyway, <laughs> that stage it was a did 65. You, did
1: you nick his spikes? There's the most well, important thing. I, I
0: did because I say he had like nice Gucci uh, uh um snowshoes, but again, it was just at the point where it was just any extra weight on my shoes was just too much. And like, uh, like the rest of the kit, I did you know, these guys had had more experience in this ultra game than I had. I had like this military pack, similar to that one in the corner. You know, uh, uh, like I had to, one of my clients, she made me these chocolate bars which were like a kilo each. One was for each day. She worked out how many calories I'd be burning on that day. Oh my, God, she geeked right out. And uh, yeah, so I had like an extra four kilos of chocolate on me. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I was not best prepared for it. And uh, yeah, so, on day four, it took me twenty hours to complete, man. And like, I was telling this story because this is kind of the backstory. I've not just gone into these endurance things; it's kind of built up over time. So, like this particular stage, as I say, it took me twenty hours to complete. And like uh, we started at six in the morning, and then I, I finished at like two two in the morning the next day, or something like that. It was unbelievable pain, like unbearable pain and uh i was going through a bit of a, a breakup at the time actually so i was like in a really bad place but uh it it kept me going it was uh and this is like the psychology of all this endurance stuff uh, for me anyway it was like man just uh keep going keep going because the the the, the pain i was feeling from that was actually fuel for me uh, in a very weird perverse way and uh anyway once I finished that, it all tickety boom. My legs were like the size of elephant legs, and um, and then I was like, bloody hell, man! Like twenty hours on your feet—that's some going. <laughs> and then you know, later on, I come to Singapore, and uh, it went a bit quiet. I think after that, and then COVID obviously kicked off, and uh, and there wasn't really much we could do. We couldn't leave. I did uh, the day before, um, like. Flights in and out ceased for Singapore. I went and done the Borneo 100. Yeah, yeah, I remember you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I didn't really prepare
1: for that. You just rocked up to it. You didn't do any training for it. No, no, no. Because I I don't like... That was the miler in uh, Borneo Ultra, yeah.
0: But to be honest, I don't like running. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, uh, the runs I do even now are leisure for me. So, I have exactly the same eight-kilometer route. I head down to the coast and I run by Marina Bay and back into work. It's yeah. eight, it's not even eight kilometers, but I love it. It gets me outside, gets me a bit of sunshine, and I love the sea, and I like being by the water. <laughs> so someone, a uh, chick at the time, uh, Lizzie, she was saying, oh, there's this Borneo thing. I was like, yeah, I'll have a go at that. Anyway, it wasn't, I'm not very good at details. <laughs> so it was only the week before when I thought, I better go through the checklist or, or the kit list that I thought, right, okay, better read what's going on. And then I sort of saw this thing about elevation, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know there was mountains <laughs> in Borneo. <laughs> I thought it was a jungle. And uh, so then I had to go and Never buy before, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I have Never heard about Kinabalu before. No. Because I was in Singapore. I didn't think there was mountains like, in <laughs> Asia, to be honest. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> very naive or ignorant. So I went to this specific running shop and I was sort of saying, oh, we got the Borneo uh, thing next weekend. And this lady, this American lady, she's like, oh, what are you doing? The, the 50... I was like, oh, no, no, the 100. She was like, oh, the 100 kilometre. And I was like, 100 miles. And she's oh, okay. Well, what sort of distances are you doing at the moment? I was like, 8K. <laughs> and she's like, oh, what, every day? I was like, mm, maybe two, three times a week, something like that. Yeah. And she's like, right, we need to get you this kit and this kit. And this. So she started passing me all this like sexy kit and like all this nutrition fuel and whatever. And like, I looked at the bill and I was like, hey, I was like, oh, okay, well, well, just put this on standby, I'll come back. <laughs> so uh, I was like, no, wow, I ain't paying all that. So we went to um, decathlon, and I was like, I picked it all up for like, less than our price, probably. And uh, got everything I needed, because obviously you need to have this stuff and um, like for for safety or whatever, really yeah, yeah. And I remember like I had this specific nutrition, it was just tasted like dog crap, man, it was horrid. Um, And she was like, oh, you test it out before you do it and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, so I tipped up on the day, uh, whatever day it was on a Saturday, say. And funnily enough, I bumped into this same lady who'd been very helpful at um, at, uh, the running shop, And she was there with, I assume, her partner or a friend or something. And she was like, oh, this is the guy who thinks he's going to run 100 miles. And I was like, are you allowed to swear on this? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, of course you yeah. I was like, up yours, lady. <laughs> kind of attitude. I was like, Whatever. And uh anyway, so <laughs> it was horrific. I've oh, got to admit, it was horrendous. And I mean, again, I hadn't prepped for it. I didn't even have a hat, so I had all these blisters on the top of my head from the sun. Like I remember like uh but I, there was bamboo with spikes on it. I didn't even know bamboo grew spikes. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was just so hard and like going through the jungle, out the jungle. And I'm, you see these ribbons tied up on trees and you're sort of having to find your way kind of thing. And I remember like coming out of the jungle and like I was like, oh, please tell me that's no more jungle. And then I come into the like, you know, when you see like the lights at the end and you think you're nearly at the finish line.
1: <laughs> and the path led back into the jungle. I
0: was like, you're joking. I rem- remember nearly crying.
1: But you did finish it, right?
0: Yeah, again, I think that took me... I want to say it was like 37, 38 hours. And I come yeah, eighth, actually, on that. I come eighth in, the, in that as well.
1: I don't know who it you, is you're speaking about, but I'm not surprised, because I would have been like, yeah, he thinks he's going to run 100 yeah. miles, hasn't trained for it, and hasn't done any running. So... um but, man, impressive. But I, I, I suppose it's quite not, it's quite good when someone actually says, yeah, no, there's no chance you yeah, can finish yeah. that. It's an extra motivation to get it done. And, uh,
0: it? and like my girlfriend at the time, she was saying there was another guy who said, there was no way I could do it. And uh, and that's the fuel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's that, again, it comes back to that mindset thing. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing this. Like I'm not letting you have this over me. And it always, every time it comes back to that, I'll call it a failure because that's what it was to me. Uh, the, the tough mother. Yeah. Like yeah. I finished two hours, like two hours before the cut off line. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I was so, so close. close to the finish line. Yeah. And like the pain of that has always kept me going. On the other stuff as well. Yeah,
1: you've recently gone and you. So you did the the spine race yeah. recently, and you did the winter the winter oh. version of it as well. <laughs> wow. What is this with you and going Mate. into like freezing cold weather? Like that's such a tough race. Yeah. What's well, the distance of it? Is well, h-
0: that was the one hundred and sixty that one? But there is a longer one actually uh, that I wasn't aware of. I think yeah, it's like a three hundred kilometre. Yeah, about two hundred miles. I'm not. Let's say I'm not yeah. very good at, <laughs> at details. So again, there was another checklist and whatever, and uh, <laughs> I wasn't the best prepared for that. That. and they thought I was taking a mick when I turned up with like that literally that rucksack there and I had like all like a liquid nutrition because I've had that powder nutrition before and I was like I'd rather carry heavier weight than eat that crap um, uh, but it was a very tough race I mean I didn't even know it snowed like that in in the UK let alone North. I'm just gonna, like the snow in some parts when it was getting closer to Scotland was coming up to my hip <laughs> I was yeah. like, what on earth is going on here? And again it was um, it was just pure mental, like uh, I just wasn't gonna give up. Do you know
1: what I mean? There was absolutely no way I was gonna up. Why did you sign up for it? I'd like I so if you're if you're not don't really like running, you don't train running all mm. the time, what what was it that Because it's renowned as being a very tough, right? Yeah, and it it, it really
0: was. i have done quite well on that. I think I come in the top ten for that as well, actually. That's amazing. Um Well, so I was on a beach in uh, Thailand at the time. It was the beginning of December. So it's almost a year ago, I suppose, is not it? So, and I was enjoying myself and I was comfortable and I was like, this is too comfortable for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I need a bit of a challenge. And like, just like in life. And it seems to be like I've noticed there seems to be this like a quarterly itch where not purposely I go and do this endurance stuff, but it just... Well, on reflection it's like oh it's been three months right i need to find something to do yeah. um and then uh so that was in the beginning of december and the race was in january or something i don't know, I think it was or beginning of february yeah it's january time um so i remember only having five weeks to train for it yeah it was only five weeks i had to train for it after signing up um and like the same thing you know i was only running 8k yeah. <laughs> and then had this race so uh yeah and it was great fun i mean now uh, was tough man it was very very tough that was painful again but i'd done other stuff that had prepared me so like we sort of jumped a bit a few endurance races so you know uh during covid like, we couldn't travel anywhere so i had access to the gym when i wanted so uh, it all started on like a uh, on a watt bike so i did 12 hours on a watt bike and you know then i was like well, what else can i do um and then uh it turned on to like i don't know 24 hours on a rower, I think I did. Yeah, it was 24 hours on a rower that I did at one stage just to see how far I could get and that was a solid 24 hours. So if you go on the Concept2 website, it's 24 hours in total but actually I did 24 hours in total rowing with two hours rest. Wow, uh, okay. So like breaking that up into uh, 10 minutes because the monitor times out uh, yeah. if you don't use it in within 10 minutes. So uh, that. I did that. And then I did 100 miles on a ski erg. And then um, I, then it was a Christmas period, so this is a couple of years ago. Um, it was, we did this charity event where it was, uh, I think it was Singapore to Santa was the, the theme. And it was basically to top up as many miles as um, as a collective of, of Ufit where I work, of everyone adding up their miles to see if we could get, get to, to uh, Lapland. L- l- that's it. Um, so Lizzie, same again, uh, she was like, well, I want you on my team so we can really get the miles in because, you you know, you do this endurance stuff and all that. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to push the sled. And she's like, right. I said, well, I've never done a marathon before. So like I've done all this other stuff, but I've never run, like, the, the 26 miles before. So I'll push the sled for 26 <laughs> miles. So the sled... What weight was, did you have on the sled? So it was crit- body weight. So I had 90 kilos at the time. Um, so, like to put it into perspective, <laughs> so if you've never pushed a sled, then it, it, it's like those big bags, you know, when you see rugby players pushing into like the, when they're doing the training, it's kind of a, a simulation of that, really, right? Like into the scrum or whatever. Um, and the the track that we have in UFIT is a 20 meter track. So, basically, I was pushing and pulling a sled for <laughs> 46 or 42 kilometers. So it seemed like a really good idea. I thought, oh, you know, I've stayed awake for thirty-eight hours before in Borneo, you know, and the twenty-four hours doing this would be easy. <laughs> Sixty hours later. <laughs>
1: I'm just trying to work out what's 50 times 42 is the number of like different laps. Well, no, it's 20, so it's 20 meters. Yeah, but yeah, so you, so 50 of those is a kilometer. Yeah, I think, and then times 42 kilometers. Yeah, yeah,
0: I think we worked out about two and a half thousand laps or something like that. So I had to do a little tally, and that is (laughs) like. Is a like prison sentence
1: because you're literally scratching yeah, 2, on the wall. Yeah, two thousand one hundred laps. Yeah, <laughs> that's madness. How, like, did you do it nonstop?
0: Yeah, basically. So, um, <laughs> mad, <man>. so <laughs> I, I would stop when I had to stop, kind of thing, and like I would shower and stuff like that, and then get back into it. Uh, but it was this is what's really interesting because without realizing what was happening or what was going to ha- take place, I got some freak results out of that. Like my body fat just I got shredded like not dehydrated. I mean I got shredded like I could get up on stage. So when we done my body fat, it was down to 3.2 percent. I sit at that time I was sitting around sort of nine ten percent yeah. at the start of it. I put uh, 10 kilos on my deadlift I took four minutes off my eight kilometer run that I do like the pain that I was getting like for well over a year in my Achilles went. Wow. It was I was about to say, did nuts. you get any injuries off the none, back of doing it? No, absolutely none. And like, uh, I went to sleep that day and pretty much slept for a solid 20 hours, I think. But next day, I was ready to go again. It was un- wow. unbelievable. Like, it was freak weird results. Yeah. So, fast forward two years later, uh, I'd done the... The uh, hundred miles on the bike, hundred miles on the ski, egg, and then a uh, hundred miles on the rail. So I did this like triathlon thing. was uh, well, it all to, back to back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, that was a thirty something hour. It might be more than that actually. Oh, the skier took me 17 hours, didn't it? Yeah, so altogether it must have taken about 38 hours. So I knew, <laughs> so I knew, like, I've ran on stress fractures. I knew I could stay awake for. This is some hours. serious
1: David Goggins shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, like,
0: when he talked, because he does talk about the stress fractures, so I know, yeah. I was like, yeah, bro, I know what you're talking about there. You can play on food, yeah, 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 yeah. And, um. Because actually,
1: know, when you get a fracture, like, the bone does just sort of mend his, the your bones just become denser oh, after a while, right? Yeah, well,
0: yeah. And, like, I remember after that, when I went to the physio, he was putting acupuncture needles in, and they were popping out. Yeah. <laughs> and like then all this like liquid was shooting out as well. Oh. He was like, oh my God. Um, so yeah, like, and this is what I mean. Like, I've had all this sort of training, if you will, up to these, like one event has like stepped onto the next one, onto the next one, onto the next one. And that's kind of what got me through the uh, the spine. So the, I think the spine ended up being about 80 I can't remember now 80 plus hours I say I don't mean uh, 85 hours it might have been a little bit more than that yeah. um, and I did stop to rest I, I slept for like two hours of that because I, I like really buggered up my knee um, but then uh, then yeah I was, that, that was there was not much rest in that because on that event you're not allowed to rest for too long as well at certain checkpoints yeah so uh, that was I wasn't <laughs> I didn't read up on that <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah so <laughs> After that, well, this is what's really interesting. I'll go back to the sled because um, we decided to test it a little bit more. So I was like, well, uh, I've run across Singapore with a weighted vest. Oh, I missed that one out, didn't we? So we run across with like a a 10-kilo vest and I had a a 7-kilo pack. So we run across Singapore, which is 50 kilometers.
1: So you did the coast-to-coast Yeah, um, basically.
0: so So then I thought, well, if I've done that, I've run it. Why don't and I've done the, the marathon. Let's aim for the fifty kilometres, so I'll push it across Singapore, basically. So um, I did it, and before we did it, we was like, "Well, look at the results we got last time. Let's see if we can replicate that." So we did all the, the VO two testing and whatever, and we worked out how many calories I was burning per hour. Da 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 da, and we tested my body fat, and it you know uh, tested it before and tested it after, so properly tested my RMR. What's RMR? Uh, resting metabolic rate. Big yeah. pun. And again, got these amazing results. But this time, I had actually a bit more sleep. I was sleeping. Um,
1: and the resting metabolic rate is that like your fuel efficiency, or you like your how much you burn, how much fat and between carb, fat and carbohydrate? Uh, you burn, yeah, just or? at rest. So yeah.
0: like now we are burning calories. Yeah, right? yeah, just yeah. Humanly function. So yeah. basically at that rate. Yeah. So uh, so I did that test with the science guy. And I think it worked out per hour I was burning about 900 calories. It's all on my blog, the details. Like I say, I'm not into all of the details. But, um, yeah, so we we tested all that and uh, done it. And I had more sleep than I did when I originally pushed it. Um, And I come back to the mindset thing on that on the set. But um, with the rest, like, I was ready to go again the next day. So I think on the first night I had about four hours sleep. The second night I had a bit – because I started losing interest because I was getting these cool results. I was getting shredded. And then it turned into less about doing the 50 kilometers. It turned more into uh, what can we prove with like being as a fat loss mechanism, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and I just sort of lost interest in it. So I didn't do the full 50 kilometers. I think I only did about 35 or 40 kilometers or something like that. And this
1: was once again in the Ufit gym going yeah, up and yeah, down yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and that did actually fry my shoulder for whatever reason. It's uh, I ended up getting some f- neuro... Uh, problem so like I couldn't even raise my arm up uh, above my head after doing that for a good sort of four months or so <laughs> it was weird but it's all back to normal now but again like uh, like you day by day you can physically see like my my uh, body composition changing and there'll be nutritionists arguing oh it's your glycogen levels and it's your, your dehydration oh no 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 we tested this shit so on Monday we tested my my resting metabolic rate again, it'd gone up by 19%.
1: And this was after having done like the 40 kilometers, so around 2000 or so laps up and down the, uh, yeah. yeah, So we're like, whoa.
0: So then we're like, well, let's see how long this lasts for, because the first time I'd done it, the nutritionist would say, oh yeah, you dehydrated, lack of glycogen. What kind of heart rate were you getting up to? This is what's really, really interesting. Uh, I can't remember at the moment, but it was, I think it was going up to like 120, something like okay, that.
1: Okay, so you're still in kind of like, almost like, like low zone two sort of. Well,
0: plan. yeah, it was. But this is the point, it was, it was getting up quickly because it's only 20 meters. Yeah. But then, because what I was trying to do was an EMOM, as long as, long as I could keep that up for. So every minute on the minute. So okay. I'd aim to push it one end within a minute. That would mm. give me about 30 seconds rest. And then I would pull it back on the next minute. Okay. So then I knew a kilometre of that would be about fifty minutes, so yeah. uh, which would give me a ten-minute break, and then on the now on the next hour I would yeah. go again. So I, <laughs> it sounds good to start with, but like at two o'clock in the morning it slows down a bit, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you start hallucinating. But like, um, so uh, what was the question? Sorry, I yeah. You know
1: um, so he was asking about the heart rate.
0: Um, yeah. So I think it was getting up. Say. So one twenty, one forty. 140, I can't yeah. remember, I could find out, but it was very, very low. Yeah. And then because it wasn't coming back down too far, because on the 30 second point, I was going again. Yeah, yeah. So it was all these little micro increases. Yeah. 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 Whereas when you think about normal fat loss or uh, <coughs> long duration fat loss, like if you're going to go for a long run, you'd get up to a point and then it will plateau. Metane, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or if you're doing sprints, it'd be really high. And then it would come down very sharply. But it wasn't doing that. It was like this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I'm doing little flickers with my finger here rather than big peaks and troughs. Yeah. Um, And that's where we're like, well, we might have stepped into something very different here, like in terms of fat loss and science, because we believe in these two things for fat loss. But actually, we've shown that we can do it in this zone. Yeah. But trying to sell that <laughs> to yeah. a collective of people to say, "Hey, look, we've got this fat loss solution that lasts sixty hours, where you push your body weight," <laughs> isn't very appealing Accessible to a lot of people. to many people, yeah. yeah and yeah. like, bear in mind as well, like the 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 lead up to that, like mindset wise, it's like, well you know alright you can run for long distance but then have you got the strength to do that and obviously we're
1: going to talk about the strength from the training and what have you so so. yeah and and so I mean you've got a really kind of crazy diverse background in endurance sports and actually as you talk through that it just it, we'll get into high rocks um, after the, P, the PT stuff but it actually like actually you were just you've been it seems like you've been preparing for this sport for yeah, years yeah. and it's only really come out in the last year yeah. or so t- or two right so uh, it, everything you've been doing before that has kind of like set you up for this sport absolutely um, yeah. but do you think your basis in, in personal training has been like has been a really good foundation for you to be able to do these endurance sports? Yeah, absolutely. But mainly because I've got the, like,
0: the knowledge, uh, the background knowledge, but also the accessibility. So, yeah. you know, like uh, I've pretty much always had access 24 hours to a gym. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas not everyone's had that kind of access, right? So, um, and like I would say I'm more of a, a hybrid trainer stroke athlete, if you will. So like I've never been good at one thing. so I'm not a good runner I'm not you know I can't go and win an ultra endurance I'll never be able to do that I'll do alright at it but I'll never win it or excel at that like uh, I will never win a weightlifting competition because I'm not mega strong but I could do alright at it Um, I can have a go at CrossFit I could do well at it but I'm never going to win a competition Um, so like, I'm um, uh, jiu jujitsu, I do win so stuff like that, but then, you know, very different. That's my, the jujitsu stuff for me, again, is more like the mental discipline and what I get out of that, actually. Um, but also, a lot of my training in the past has been geared towards Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Hmm. So, like, the power training, resistance training, like cardio, you need loads of cardio for that, mobility, uh, because yeah, you're getting, yeah, you're getting bent in all sorts of directions. So, like, yeah before I never used to stretch, I never did any mobility training because that was my mobility training. And you're doing that under tension and a lot of resistance. So people are putting you into these weird stress positions which totally prepares the body. Whereas like now, where, where do you train jiu jitsu? Uh, I used to train at Evolve. I used to train in the UK. Yeah. Um, I'm on a break now because I'm more concentrated on the high rocks, so I don't want to get injured for it. So yeah, uh,
1: no, So actually, this is because I actually wanted to start training jiu jitsu. Like I love MMA. I'm mm. like really passionate about it. Um, but I just really scared that if I start training jiu jitsu, I'm going to like get injuries. And yeah. So I'm just like, it's, and, it's, and,
0: the, and, it's, it's the potential for that man. But like when we talk about jiu jitsu, you think about your grips, right? Like yeah. you you're gripping onto this thick material so your you, <laughs> your fingers
1: get really strong yeah So like, like grabbing onto the gear, you mean yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: exactly right so the gi is obviously like the the pyjamas basically <laughs> so that has probably helped me with the farmer's carries in high rocks so like I can do that one I'm probably one of the fastest at doing that yeah. certainly uh, in Singapore I think I was yeah I was first on that and in uh, Hong Kong I was the f- fastest on that as well because uh, I don't need to put it down like, I yeah. can run at a normal pace with those whereas people are like shaking off or whatever yeah. so again like these multi-disciplines that I have have, have helped me out with the, the high rocks you know it's uh, you yeah. really
1: yeah so I mean obviously having access to the gym and obviously when you're a personal trainer you've got you know you 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 need to train yourself as well to mm. sort of you need to yeah, eat yeah. your own dog food so to speak. Yeah yeah yeah. But for, for those um, and and for all of the like clients that you um that you train as well like do you train many that are actually like that are runners or athletes as well? Or I suppose if you were to be what would be some of your recommendations when it comes to um cuz many of like many of the runners that I know or the endurance athletes I know do next to no strength and conditioning. Yeah. So what would what would be your recommendation to start bringing it into their fitness well, routine y- to y- support?
0: Yeah, right. I would... Uh Definitely encourage the strength training, and like there, there is research out there like to, to show how much that significantly helps. Uh, like one rep, even rep one rep maxes can significantly help, and that's without putting on muscle mass as well. Yeah, so like,
1: uh, because I think that's the big thing, right? I think a lot of um, endurance athletes are like worried about putting on weight and mass because yeah, 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 yeah. they want to keep their power to weight ratio yeah, yeah, yeah. so strong. And you know,
0: with uh, with like proper strength training, so we're talking like one rep maxes up to six reps. Right, you're not going to put on mass from doing that. Um, And that's even training like three times a week. In one recent study I was just reading about this morning uh, with cyclists. So, you know, it's not going to do you any harm. It's going to, in fact, do you better. It's going to serve you better because you're working to your absolute max if you're doing a one-rep max. So just by doing that, you're preparing the body for absolute
1: pain <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. and absolute wear the the challenge with one rep max is you really need to be doing it with the trainer. you can't be doing it on your own yeah, you need to yeah, make sure yeah, your form's yeah. really good yeah, or otherwise so you, you're just going to get injured right absolutely
0: now. so you i would sort of say like you do it over a periodized uh, per, uh time frame so and and that's what we work so some people would sort of say you work on like a bit of a pyramid so you'd start with higher reps and then um l- l- less weight so, probably less sets. And then, as you start moving up um, to more, like I would say, if you're going more strength training, because again, you don't want to put on too much muscle mass, but like that eight, maybe eight reps to 10 reps rather than the, the 12 reps. Yep. Um, and that would be with more sets. So, you know, typically you would sort of say four to six sets. And then, strength training around that six. Uh, rep, ma- uh, rep max would be I don't know sort of five well p- five plus sets really however long you want to go on for and then obviously you could throw in the one rep maxes. To be honest, um, I don't really do one rep maxes with clients ever. Mm. Um, I think the the risk reward ratio <laughs> because I don't train that many who do these ultra endurance ap- uh, events. Some of them do or have a crack at it, but they're probably not going to be at the highest level. So like, I don't want to break them doing one rep maxes. I'd rather do like five, I don't know, four to six reps at a heavy weight rather than the one rep max. Because, like, if if you're if you're new to it and you're doing like a one rep max on a squat, and you fold over and you do your back in, then
1: yeah, that's no good, right? So, and I always find whenever I do whenever I do squats specifically, I like can't run for I can't walk up the steps in my office for a couple of days like it does ruin it does ruin you like specifically when it comes to the the type of exercises then for for endurance sports and you mentioned cyclists but cyclists running what are sort of some of the like just go to yeah i should absolutely you should bring even if you only got home with like some dumbbells or like kettlebells at home what are the (laughs) some of that you should well
0: if you've only got like dumbbells then you've got to get your lunges in for sure um i would Always say like multi directional lunges or multi planar lunges. Like people take the mick out of me for doing these, like other trainers. Like, so I'm lunging in totally different directions. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I just find that just helps out the ankle, the knee, and the hips. Um, yeah. Prepares for like on even ground, for instance. Um, yeah. and like they might take the mic, but I'm like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> here's my CV, right? yeah, <laughs> and it works for me, yeah, yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'll always encourage that. And then, um, it, when we're starting talking about heavy, when yeah, I'll go for the deadlifts. Yeah. So, arguably, people would go um, more for Romanian style deadlifts. Like yeah. uh, the S&C coaches would probably say, and the physios would say, get more Romanian deadlifts in. And that's with one foot up on like a, a bench no, and then just doing no, no, one. Uh, what's... So that would be feet parallel, but legs not completely stiff, but
1: straighter. So you yeah, get to okay, target. Yeah,
0: okay. the, like the hamstrings a little bit more, the glutes and in the lower back.
1: But uh, What's the one where you put like one of your legs, like you'd. You, um, yeah, you're doing almost like a... ice more, more like a squat with one leg on uh, on a yeah, bench. Yeah, so that'd be a Bulgarian squat. Bu- a Bulgarian squat. So yeah, squat any,
0: any of, yeah. single leg 100. exercise. So yeah. if you've got less weight to use, yeah. um, so say so you've only got like two 10 kilo dumbbells, yeah, then go to the, the unilateral stuff. So like the, the single leg kind of workout. So like a Bulgarian squat would be a great version of that. Yeah. And then like aim to load yourself differently. So if you've got dumbbells, you could rest those on the shoulders. You can rest them at the front to hit the quads a little bit more. You could lean forwards to hit your glutes a little bit more. You could have a suitcase style by your, your, by your sides. Yeah. So have them in these different rack positions, create as much variability as you can. Again, some people would argue about that, but um, like it, it's not gonna do any harm, it, yeah. it really won't. Um, if you've got access to a barbell, exactly the same thing. So up on the shoulders or in that front rack position. You know? yeah. So Bulgarian squat is a great exercise, same as the lunges. Um, but yeah, I, I always personally favor uh, Olympic-style deadlifts where you bend the knee yeah. over uh, Romanian deadlifts. Just my preference. I just really think that I get a lot Less more out Less risk on of it. the back, or
1: um, like um I suppose if you get the technique right. Yeah, so, when
0: you've got the technique right, and you, you're nice and solid and tense and in position, I just feel that you're getting a lot more out of it. Again, it might be just me. Um, yeah. You know, other coaches would argue, but you know, it, again, it works for me. And like from a personal training perspective, I, I'll be able to see that anyway. Mm. So if someone's really struggling on either of those, then I'll adapt it in some way anyway. Yeah. Um, another one I like to do is a, what I call a suitcase deadlift. So the barbell is at the side. So uh, using one arm. And then as you stand up, so keeping everything nice and taut and in line, uh, so uh, from your feet, knees, shoulders, all pointing to 12 o'clock, say, the barbell on your side. Yeah. So when as you're standing up, you've got more weight bearing on one side. On one side, interesting. But then you've really got a lot going on in the trunk. Yeah. So if you haven't got a lot of weight, then I'm sort of using one side like like what we were saying with the the bulgarian squat so there's another alternative yeah but then uh you, you, if you've got access to weight you get the squats in there uh back squats uh front squats a lot of people are, are well into the Zercher squatches, where you're holding the bar across your elbows yeah a lot of people into those it seems to be quite trendy at the moment just so that you're getting a lot more uh, core function and engagement in there uh, i personally don't do them I've, like bang for buck, I, I just don't. I just don't rate them. Again, yeah. strength coaches would argue with that, but I would much favour a front squat just because I'm working a little bit more mobility and. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it depends what the the client's able to do.
1: Yeah, and how do you feel like about just doing body weight stuff as well? I mean, you hear like, I mean, going to the extent of calisthenics stuff has become really sort of popular yeah, of but, late, but that's more based on repetition, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it might be. If you're in a
0: hotel room, yeah, and you know you want to keep a bit of resistance going, then absolutely. And I would say, like, if you're travelling around, uh, I lend a TRX. So a TRX is like a a suspension training system. So yeah. straps, basically, you throw over a door. So like, if I've got clients going away, like just to keep them doing stuff, resistance-wise, I'll give them the TRX to use. Yeah. Some people like to use the bands, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and like the bands are effective. With weights, yeah, so like yeah. It, I don't know if you see that where the band where people will put bands on uh, the barbells, for instance, when
1: they're doing. I was squats. reading about this recently, yeah, because it was and it was saying that this. So when if you're doing a bench press, your your ability or, or um, to hold weight at well fully extended arms at the bench press is like five times what it is when your mm. arms are like right down by yeah, your yeah. chest, right. Yeah. So then, and there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can either put bands on the on the bar. Or put chains on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you lift the chains, the it gets chains heavier. come off and it gets heavier yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. So
0: I I'm into that. Um and like on Instagram you see people wrapping them around their necks doing dips and stuff like that. But like yeah. uh it, it's not to look cool. It is you know, there is slight science behind it, yeah, yeah. It's very useful tool actually. Yeah. But again, like <laughs> like it, it's like I have that luxury because I have time during the day to adapt my training, then that means, all right? Yeah. Um, and I, I don't travel like my clients do. Um, you know, I, I said I have access to the gym 24 hours a day, so when the gym's quiet, I can get away with doing that stuff without yeah. feeling a bit weird, without people asking to get on the kit or whatever. So it's cool to use that stuff, and just because I say, oh yeah, they're handy, like, you don't need it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah. uh, keep it raw. Like, uh, like the chains thing, Man, I'll probably only, I'll be honest, I'll probably only use the chains maybe twice in 18 years. Yeah. Like, yeah, in yeah. a program. And,
1: and, yeah, and it's mainly, it's only like really big bodybuilding gyms that they have that, yeah, that kind do of thing.
0: Yeah, you know what thing. I mean? So it's not like, but oh, man, I need be, chains. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah. but yeah, you can use bands and again, like, uh, there's research behind it and, you know, I see coaches use it in the gym, but, I'm still getting great results with my guys. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you just It's
1: it's like the marginal gains thing. And and honestly for a lot of people, a lot of endurance athletes, they're not doing any strength and conditioning at all, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. starting to do anything is yeah, I- yeah, is yeah. going to be of benefit. Yeah. And like interestingly like what would you, what is the benefit of actually for endurance athletes of doing strength and conditioning? Well, it's that
0: um, it's the maximal output, right? So um like, and the fact that you're not putting on the muscle mass. So if you are it's the, the neuromuscular uh, adaptions that you're uh, creating that is the benefit. So, like I say where you're pushing yourself to the max, your body is now adapted to pushing to
1: the max if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so yeah.
0: Uh, that, that's the main benefit. Yeah.
1: And, and what about from, like, injury prevention or, uh, I mean, do we, do, yeah, do we uh, think any, that...
0: Sh- any kind of weight training is going to do that. Like, it doesn't yeah. need to be, like, strength training, as in, like, a uh, six-rep training and yeah. doing only deadlifts. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. any kind of resistance training, in my opinion, in different directions, safely, through good ranges of motion, is going to help with injury prevention. But, again, like, you know, I know all this stuff. I do all this stuff. but I still get injured. Like, yeah. I couldn't say us oh, because I didn't use the band or I didn't use the chains. Did I? I mean some yeah. people would say us oh, because you're overtraining? Well, possibly overtraining or you know I just didn't pay attention to any niggles that I had. Yeah, is, is probably what has happened. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, like, I, I would say be work around your injuries. Like endurance athletes have a, a very different mindset to a lot of people. Uh, very naturally and that's what i found in this little community um and like i <coughs> i just cannot stand bodybuilding man i just think that is not a challenge that's not hard you're just starving yourself for 12 weeks man and like yeah you're pushing 10 reps right push two more great yeah push two more great but then when you've got stress fractures on the shins and you've still got like another three days to push through i think that's more of a man test and like like I come back to the, uh, I know you've asked a completely different question, but this is what I love about the ultra stuff. And I feel that everyone needs to have done something like this in their life to understand what it means afterwards, like what you're capable of doing afterwards. Like if you can put your 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 body and mind through that stuff, then where else can you do that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I know that's gone slightly. Yeah, off no, top no of that. Right. it's something
1: I believe uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah. Like it just uh, it puts everything into perspective. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. If you, yeah. if you can handle that, then you can handle pretty much. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah, that yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah,
0: so I would always encourage some kind of uh, resistance training. Always, yeah, yeah, always, always, always.
1: Now, now talking about handling, like back to what we sort of kicked off with, mentioning about high rocks and so all of the endurance stuff that you've been through, and um, and so this. And we talked about the tough mother, which was kind of the first obstacle course racing yeah, that really yeah. came out. And then, you know, Spartan uh, became very popular. But it, it seems like in just in the last couple of years that this Hyrox model is sort of, uh, has, yeah, uh, has just. Uh, well, it's come funny, to the fore... it was
0: only like before COVID. So we're talking about like three years ago. Okay. There was a guy, uh, Fred Tilcock, who said, Oh, I have a go at this workout, Snowy. You'll really like this. And I had a go at it and just thought it was a workout. I didn't realise it was a thing. And then, uh, just only this year, uh, they did this uh fitness test, and a, a trainer told me about it. And like, Oh, so you do well at doing this fitness test, it's for Hyrox. And I was like, oh, What's that then? Um, and I was like, Oh, I know this workout, <laughs> I've yeah. done this before. So, uh, we, uh, me and my uh a colleague, we were well hungover when we went and done this fitness test, <laughs> and um. <laughs> So we, we smashed it. We come first on it. He got uh, we're first and second respectively
1: for myself and then him. And just for those that don't know about it, just like explain what the what the actual routine right. Is. So
0: um, the the actual event itself doesn't change. The, the, there's no adaptation to the exercises whatsoever. So there's eight one-kilometer runs. Okay, and they are intervals in between um, elements or uh, exercise stations, if you will. So the first element is a kilometre on the ski erg. Then the second is uh, a sled push. So in the pro I'm just gonna use the pro division because I definitely know the weights for that. But the pro division is 200 kilo push. Wow. And then you do 150 kilo rope pull. Uh, so as if you're hoisting a, a main sail, uh, so to speak. Um, obviously you've got your runs in between these. Then you go on to the one kilometre row then you move on to uh, the 80 meter burpee broad jump. Then you do 200 meter carry with uh, 32 kilos in each hand. And that that's farmer's carry. Farmer's carry, big one. Yeah. Uh, then you have 20, uh, 30 kilo, 100 meter walking lunges, and then you finish off with 100 uh, war balls with nine kilos. Yep. So uh, and then a, a rear rear uh, you one kilometer runs in between those, and then after the one hundred uh, wall balls, the finish line is there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it feels like another kilometer. And, and this <laughs> is
1: for the this is for the elite round, and so there's an open one where the weights are probably like thirty <laughs> percent, yeah, uh, so l- less. Or I think so, right?
0: um, for the sled, it, for the push, it goes down to one fifty. For the, this is for the men's, beg your pardon. Uh, for the for the pull it's like 100 kilos for the carry 24 kilos and for the balls, it's 6 kilos um, yeah. for the ladies I, I, I don't know because I
1: for I the open actually for the mixed one open it's the same weight for yeah. men's and although men in women, January yeah. from A, January and for pro it's the same as the open for men's for pro women it's the same as the open oh, is men's weight I'm I not too hot because yeah. to be honest
0: I didn't train any ladies for, for the event so yeah. I, I don't know um, but yeah next year from January they've got the
1: doubles pro uh that they're introducing oh cool
0: yeah which would be interesting yeah
1: yeah, yeah yeah yeah. and so on when you do the doubles so you do all of these exercises got a kilometer run in between but if you do the doubles you can just split do half the exercises. the
0: exercises each. yeah correct you could do more or less than that as well depending yeah. on your strengths <laughs> and who's um, good yeah. yeah yeah so but the one kilometer is still one everyone so go, you yeah. still got
1: to go as fast as the slowest guy yes yeah, so, i actually i've got Pulled into it by a friend who was like injured, so I went and joined a team of four. One and I, and I sort of like I, I've liked obstacle course racing in the past. I think they're some of the best all-round athletes, like in terms of the the um, balance between uh, aerobic and anaerobic. Yeah, yeah. Like because the kind of distance you do, you need to be a great runner or a great endurance athlete, but you also need the strength. But I think what I like about Hirox is that because a lot of the Spartan ones, like things like throwing a spear. Or like the climb around the wall. I mean, I suppose it's slightly technical, but it's it's a bit gimmicky almost. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. it's not really. Whereas this is actually stuff you do in the gym it's, as an yeah, endurance. Yeah. To, to the point that you did hundred mile on like each one of these uh, exercises, yeah, which yeah. which is crazy because that's like set you up to. Be well, good that's at it. Sport, and like, right?
0: <laughs> you know, I see all this stuff on Instagram, and, <laughs> and like going through like the ski hug technique and like the pr- uh, the prowler push technique and that. I'm like. Hey buddy, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna teach me nothing <laughs> I yeah, spent yeah. Like 17 hours on a ski oak, brother. I spent sixty hours pushing that. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You ain't gonna teach me nothing.
1: <laughs> so that's what I mean like because it's 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 also really intense though, because mm. I mean I was looking at some of the splits for the for the kilometer run, you need to be doing like four minute uh yeah, four yeah, to yeah, four yeah. and a half minute like, And that's
0: the that's the trick. I mean, the the run is what is most important. Like again, yeah. like the People selling these tushy old uh, <laughs> programs for hierarchs, man, it's a gimmick because it, it's down it's to the, the running. Run. Yeah, yeah. You do. You, don't get me wrong. You have to have your baseline strength, and this is what I realised in Hong Kong. So we did the first one in Hong Kong. Is like I'm pretty sharp at those elements. I was coming in like uh, within the top four for each element. I think in uh, Singapore is even better than that. Actually, like in the top three for most of them. Well, you finished third in Singapore. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and this is the other great thing is everything is timed. Yeah. So like, you can if you think you might not be competitive until you look at your rankings, and then you see what time you got. You can see what place you got on each run, yeah, on each, each element, yeah. and that goes for your age group, for your nationality, for the country you've done it in, for yeah. The, yeah. where you place in the in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you think you're not competitive until you do it, and then you see that you came one second slower than the other person.
1: you start... like, oh it's, it's because I had to do my shoelace up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but it's actually, that of it is quite good because then you can look at actually areas where you yeah. can improve or actually where you need to focus, oh, I'm good at this, I need to double exactly, down on yeah, it yeah. kind of thing. And,
0: like, uh, and that's why I think it's genius because without I don't think it even meant it to be as big as it's got because I can't think of anything else where I can get my clients to work towards a goal that's tracked and measured and is as close as they're going to get to a professional athlete at an amateur level, because it's yeah. it's only pros who like look at these little details. Like we, yeah. we don't need to like like if you're running a marathon, <laughs> you don't need to like try and cut a, a, a split second off going around a corner or something like that. You just think right, well, I've got to do it in four hours. Whereas this, like you say, it's every second literally counts. And like uh, it's only when you go at the end, oh, if only I just didn't stop for that like, drink of water, or if I timed it better, or. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean it's interesting to watch because like because you pros are, are finishing like around the hour, hour five mark. Yeah, I yeah. think the record's like fifty five minutes. Yeah, or yeah. Something, so they're hunter dude, right? Yeah. Um,
0: and like in Hong Kong again, we would only had three weeks to prep for that, and uh, we did all right because we did the doubles in Hong Kong. It was over two days, so we did the doubles on the Saturday, and then on the Sunday it was the the men's pros. Um, regrets on that because my legs were fried actually. Yeah, but. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. So you're saying preparing
1: too... for Hong Kong. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. So, uh, the, We're saying the best times of 55 Yeah, so to, like, in, yeah.
0: in Hong Kong, I'd got about a 107, And in Singapore, I could have swore blind I'd done
1: <laughs>
0: 10 minutes better than that. But... Well, I got 109 and it still come Really? Prepared. I mean, it
1: was it's Singapore heat as well. Well, it was, it's
0: really interesting because. Even and with, I
1: think the course was longer from what well, I was hearing. A few people said well, that. Because
0: each one, the only difference is with these Hyrox is the exercise order is exactly the same. The exercises are exactly the same. But depending on the location, the. The layout is different. Yeah. So in Hong Kong, for instance, like the in and out gate to the elements is side by side. So yeah. it's very easy to get confused. So if you come out the wrong gate, i.e., if you go back onto the track through the in gate, bear in mind they're right next to each other, then that's a five minute penalty. Yeah. Um, and with Hong Kong, like there will be, they have the stations numbered, so you shouldn't get too confused, but they'll be like one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, Yeah, all spread then, out over uh, the yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. Uh, in Singapore, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All eight. in a line, yeah. And what people, I think, why people said it was longer is because the in and out gates were at either end. Yeah. So you come in... To the wall balls to so the last one, so you've got to run all the way to the other end. Yeah, to get so it's to the another warbles. 150 yeah, meters yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. So I I think that's the that's where it's different. But I think I'm sure the Singapore
1: heat would have made an yeah, impact as well. Yeah. But like either, yeah.
0: to be honest, like I found it hard and it was obviously slower. Although in my mind I thought I was faster, um, but I couldn't say oh it's because of the heat. I I, yeah. I wouldn't be able to go because the heat's taking it out of me. Yeah. Like uh, the 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 stadium is like a half open half closed stadium, so when it there was some to, cooling in there, yeah. yeah. But when it come round to sunset, obviously it sort of faces west, and the sun was coming through. So wherever it was, because there was maybe a bit more direct heat, mm. I can say people were saying because the uh, that they were burning all the uh, the part doing the palm oil burnings as yeah. well. So there was that smog. But I couldn't say, oh, yeah, I could barely breathe because of the small girl or something like that. So, obviously, the humidity is a massive factor.
1: But you are redlining for that hour and nine minutes, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. aren't you? Because, yeah. I mean, this is one that I, only, I did the team one and I only did two exercises. And so, because I'm an okay runner, like, the run, like, was able to smash it. And yeah, I did yeah. the ski erg and then I forget which other. And then I did the um, the sled uh, push. But um, but actually, you, you're... You're running after doing one yeah, is yeah. actually So do you do you actually have time your run to or like to pace yourself to so not go now, out too fast and Well this
0: is where it gets technical and again depending on your relay, your double or you or you're doing it solo right because like I know I could smash most of those guys at the uh, at the Skio for instance. And I did I think I come at, at least in the top three I can't remember the stats. But if I did that, I got experience over some of these guys because it was like the first time, for a lot of people. So, but if I'd gone and smashed it, I would have fried myself for the run. Yeah. So I was like, hey, like I don't, I'm not gonna push this just to make up three seconds. And fry my quads when I yeah. need to run immediately. Yeah. Um. So I I had the experience of of tactics behind some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh. Like even with the rower, I know I'm very efficient on the rower. Spent plenty of time on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So like I didn't I didn't need to go out and smash it. I could just keep a very good technique. Um, like I know what my max one kilometer is and I know what a steady one kilometer is. Yeah. So if I know, if I'm just like keeping up with a guy at my uh, my rates, my strokes per minute and my split time, don't let him get in my head because I know what I can do to yeah. stay in the top three. And then I just got to concentrate on the run. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's why I think the run is so important. So like the top guys, I think they're on average doing a like the the hunter dude. I think he was like running a, a three thirty.
1: Yeah. average. <coughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's right. So and the the lady that won the the women's I think she won the women's open Moira. She's she's a PT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'm um and. Yeah, she's obviously an incredible runner. She's Mm. like a sort of, I think she's 120 half marathon runner. She's solid. Um, And so, yeah, she just creamed everyone because she was such a good runner. Um, And so, yeah, it's interesting. Are you like now being a lot more focused on your running training now?
0: Uh, I am. At the moment, I'm going through a bit of rehab. So I didn't pay attention to a niggle while I was away in August. And i just let it get worse and worse and worse because I was like, I've got high rocks, I've got to train, I've got to train, i got to train. Got to train, got to train. So uh, it was a bit silly really. Um, and I was away so I couldn't get a chance to see my physio for two weeks anyway. If I was in the Singapore, I would have gone to him straight away. Um, but because I didn't, and I, because I had to keep training while I was away, it, it just got worse. Was this and, a, your hit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were complaining about it within yeah. the actual race. So that it? was in August. And uh, it was two weeks before the high rocks here in Singapore. Uh, I couldn't even walk, I was limping. Uh, like and like pr- pretty much at least once a week I was seeing one form of therapist from August like just to hold me together. So whether it be a physio, uh, sports massage therapist or osteopath, sometimes some weeks like after payday <laughs> I would see all three of them in the same uh, same week yeah. just to kind of undo or limit what I'd just been doing the week before. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit silly but like I knew that I'd could have a good chance at this, like yeah. this, like you say, I built for this event. Like I'm the right sort of height, the right sort of way. Yeah,
1: and that's interesting. Like that's the thing I was going to ask. Is like, what is the ideal sort of? Well, like-
0: there's been like there's people geeking out on this stuff, yeah. man. So they're finding out all the averages, and they're sort of saying like, oh, oh, 185 centimeters, around 87 kilos, is yeah. about the right, the optimal athlete build yeah. for this event and that's your exact time away, yeah yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah 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 so i'm like i'm like 78 so probably a bit light for it but yeah. probably be okay for the open but, yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah
0: and like uh and this is where i'm like well this is going to be going for a long time for me because uh like, well i'm in the i'm 39 so there's different age categories obviously um is there prize money when you get to the worlds, there is prize money but um, not in the regionals. no no right? no no not yet but uh because it's only there's like asia's still building at the moment like they're doing more and more of them as we go so this is quite interesting as well is like the the genetic factor because in the top three in singapore they were all caucasian guys that come through uh the fourth guy was an asian guy followed by a fifth which who was caucasian so caucasians are definitely dominating it be probably because the taller the height, heavier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting because I'm going to Korea to do it in February, Okay. and they seem a bit different. Yeah, they yeah. seem like a bit of a different build. I think like their diet is obviously very different. There's probably a lot of more dairy in Korea, so I think that's probably going to. The Koreans are
1: like a lot, are, like, not, uh, generally, a lot taller. I don't know. Yeah,
0: you must yeah. have seen I, that. I, I've um, not, that Fitness one hundred or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then this is the other interesting thing because it seems they're either into CrossFit or they seem to be well into bodybuilding and aesthetics. Yeah. So I don't know too much about their endurance game, what that's going to be like. But um, you know, I've, since I've been tagging stuff in uh, on Instagram on Korea, there's been a few followings, and I'm like, oh my goodness, they they look in good shape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. These look quite competitive. <laughs> there's not a
1: huge amount of Korean kind of ultra athletes. But having said that, I don't know what. Distance wise of running, it probably like oh, I don't know. I, I think like trail running is actually probably really good, but probably not people that are doing 100 mile distance. Yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. probably like up to like 50k. I don't know, it's really hard to say. Like, is it Gabe the yeah, yeah? The, yeah, the, yeah. It, so he's like a really, really good runner, yeah, like yeah. really so good he's, trail runner. He used
0: to be a big uh, pro, uh, so uh, yeah, yeah, like so he's a, a bit of a champ. He's done it in uh, he's done a 59 minute before, yeah, that's um, crazy. But he, this time in Singapore, we're talking about whatever makes the difference. He did it in 104, yeah, yeah, and he's like, I don't know what it is that made that slower. Yeah, so like I think
1: around. there's a few things around distance yeah, yeah. and the heat. But um, but yeah, very cool. I'm like, I, I'm I'm really interested. in It, I'm uh, I'm it's it's a fun spectator sport to follow as well because yeah, yeah. you're sort of in the middle watching you do the lats. Yeah, and yeah. It's like and like, what's it like actually competing I mean, like, when everyone's watching you? Like now
0: program? you're saying, that I can just feel my body tingling because obviously there was like um. I don't want to say rivalry because it was it was like friendly rivalry, right? There was one guy who's another personal trainer in the local area. So we sort of cut around in similar circles who know each other. So they were like, oh, you can't let him beat you, Snowy. And they were like, you can't let Snowy beat you. Yeah. So like, and uh, he's younger than He's like 10 years younger than me. I'll throw that in there. He's like 11 <laughs> years younger, actually. 11 years younger than me as well. So there's like, gotta show him up a little bit and he's like I can't let this old boy beat me da, da, da. Yeah. Um, I did beat him in the end but <laughs> oh, yeah, I obviously got more experience than him but um, that it, that was great so like you, in, I remember doing lunges right? and I could hear come on Snowy in one ear but at the same time I could hear come on, what's your face in this area going on at the same time? It's, it was great feeling. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and because you're in a... That, that was in stadium yeah, as yeah, well. So yeah. you've got all these period
1: tunes. It was a cool atmosphere. Yeah, yeah.
0: And like in Hong Kong, I've got to say it was even better because there was uh, one guy, he was not built for a high rocks. He was a huge black guy, man. He was dead last, right? Yeah. And um, he was struggling big time like on the bodybuilder Yeah, size. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, uh, then everyone was there cheering him on because he's dead last. It's the best place to come in it either first or dead last because yeah, yeah. that's when the crowd be behind you. And then it just turned into this party. Everyone just gathered round. Like the DJ was like changed some music, <laughs> and <laughs> the MC was like cheering him on. He's like, "Come on, guys, get behind him!" and like. And, like even I'm like getting all hyped up about it so he, he just started dancing and like just bringing it on it was cool. absolutely great atmosphere so yeah so it wasn't just about me but like yeah just a whole everyone just cheering each other on and even when I was in Hong Kong there was like strangers sort of cheering me on and stuff like that so it's a great because it's for everyone, isn't it? It's for yeah, everyone. it's. I think it's
1: really accessible. Because like anyone can go up and do the uh, do the team one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like you can just go and do two two of the different um, uh, different stations mm. and like two k run. Like who can't do yeah, that? Yeah. So there is a there, there's it's a very accessible sport. Yeah, to absolutely. Everyone. And this is
0: what I think is like the simplicity and genius, of just genius because it's so simple, is anyone can have a crack at it, afterwards you can go and have a few drinks, and like now it's becoming multinational like in Asia. It's yeah. so like, I'm gonna go to Korea. Like, yeah. <laughs> just for a weekend. Like, I don't really want to go any longer than that, to be honest, it's just a tick in a box exercise, but this gives me a nice excuse to go explore yeah. the city for a little bit, come back to work, and you know, and, and, and have they're a They're coming event.
1: back to Singapore? yeah I couldn't
0: say the specific date uh, uh I heard rumors heard. of April, but yeah, I heard yeah, it I think it's the yeah. same I've heard, um but they I know that you want to start doing two a year in pretty much every location, so yeah, it'll be out and about there's yeah. one entire one that's coming up soon, and I was like, <gasps> but my
1: girlfriend was like, no, you ain't doing that, oh, yeah, right, yeah yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> man you need to get it seems like you need to get over this injury first as yeah well, it's but,
0: um, it's constantly ongoing he, uh, he, he, I can run but it,
1: it's not I can't push it, you know what I mean, so it's 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 really annoying, so yeah. Well, you should get down the get down the track with us, mate, on a on a Tuesday night. Come and do some track oh, sessions okay. like uh yeah, yeah. Oh, if you're okay. um I think it would be uh yeah, it would be good getting your getting your top line running uh, yeah, yeah, down done yeah, in there definitely. as well. But mate, really cool. And just the last few a few little questions. Are there any like any books or documentaries or like uh, audio books or something that's been an inspiration to you? Um it's gotta be the gogs, isn't it? So yeah, it is. uh I think the first uh, one. And being a you obviously love jiu-jitsu. Have you been watching him uh, him train Tony Ferguson recently? Yeah,
0: I, I sort of inclined to cuz he was I saw an interview with Paddy Pimblet as well sort yeah, of saying so he's you he's know, overtrained. Yeah, and I can kind of see where he's coming from on that. But at the same time this is the mental game in it all for me. It's like yeah. you know, you do all the science testing, but when it comes down to it it's all mental, I think. I think yeah.
1: four weeks out from the fight doing like a they, they like did a hell week basically, yeah, didn't yeah, he, yeah. with him. But yeah, no, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of Goggins as well. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like you've uh, yeah, some of the some of the things that you've done have well, been inspired. By I him.
0: mean like you know, he comes from a, a very toxic background, right, and has, has used that which goes against the grain, which is why I particularly like it. So a lot of this stuff that I've done, there's been some like toxic sh- stuff going on. For me, that I've used as fuel as much as he has, and I was like, I get that, yeah. And then, like, when he was talking about the stress, phase, I was like, Yeah, I get that, and like the little niggles, I get that. And who does this stuff? Like, you're constantly questioning yourself and battling yourself. Like, you're in the middle of the Arctic Circle, you can all you can hear is your footsteps crunching in the snow, you can see a white dot on the ground, and then black. And you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like the conversations you have with yourself and like <laughs> spine race, exactly the same thing. I was just looking for excuses to tap out. Like my knee, I said, I have bugged my knee. I was like, this is it. This is a good excuse. Got some rest, popped some like painkillers. I was ready to go. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, off we go. Yeah. Um, and it's that grit and that just crack on. Like, what I love is, is Roger that and then just crack on. Yeah, and that's, that.
1: that's probably the biggest takeaway is roger that for me. Uh, my my favourite part is, like, uh, is around like taking souls. Like, whenever you pass someone, you're mm-hmm. like, I've just taken your soul. I can see yeah. you. And you just take a piece of them as you go yeah. by. I think that's a really good thing. For any races, if you pace yourself, go out a little bit slower and then mm. you're just picking people off I the love rest it. of yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. is the way to go. Um, best kit you've bought for under a hundred bucks? Uh, probably <laughs> everything I took to the Arctic.
0: <laughs> uh, and that was all from decathlon like yeah. I say uh, the dude I was with bless him he went man down he he was spending hundreds on different pits of kit I had carbon fibre f- snowshoes I bought my snowshoes for probably 20 quid from uh, decathlon
1: um, so yeah and uh, like you it, can
0: get all the kit you need
1: to from decathlon and it's like pretty durable isn't it it's like, reasonably durable Yeah, and, yeah. No. and I've
0: used that to go to every Base Camp now and um Uh, even the spine race. I think if you're gonna do a cold weather thing for a bit of morale, this is something I got from the army, is something called a softie. Um, So it's like, (laughs) the only way I can describe it is a a puffer jacket, really. You can stuff, it's like a sleeping bag. Yeah. It is is a little palace, it's a nice bit of morale. um, And that is probably the most, I've taken that to (laughs) conflict zones. I've taken it to the Arctic. So I took it to Vegas when we did that. Um, uh, to Everest Base Camp when I did that spine, it's like a comfort blanket, yeah, when you get yeah, on yeah. Your, uh, yeah, it's probably the best valuable piece to get. And actually, saying that seal skin socks,
1: okay, yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. man. Why is it you're doing this cold stuff? I can't do it, man. Yeah, I've in Singapore I think, uh, too long, yeah. I think the elements you need a bit of element to make it a real challenge, yeah, and no, that's true. And like you've done some crazy, crazy shit, um, Snowy. What would you say, or was someone like one of the proudest things of your, um, the thing you're most proud of? Hmm.
0: I think I was most impressed after pushing the sled because, like, it was sixty hours, and I wasn't impressed with myself. It was more I was impressed with the capability of a of a person. Is this what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like oh I did this. I was like, man, that's what a human can achieve. Like yeah. whoa! What else can we do?
1: <laughs> I mean, like, so, so just to remind you, you did you did a marathon. So like forty-two kilometers. You did two thousand one hundred laps mm. up and down a gym. Twenty meters pushing long. Pushing yeah. a ninety kg sled. Yeah,
0: yeah, on astroturf. Yeah,
1: on oh, astroturf that is just mental and so you didn't sleep in that whole time that you were no, doing it. um
0: no because I was saying that I'd get those 10 minute gaps yeah. so sometimes it would take me 55 minutes so the I would only get 5 minutes sleep yeah. uh, So and I would basically get my head down elevate my legs against the wall and then my alarm would go off, and it'd be like, oh, God, here we go again.
1: Mate, I'll tell you one for you. I'm not sure um, we talked about it in the last podcast, but uh, the Backyard Ultra. Um, it must have come on your radar. But basically, it's uh, on the hour every hour for you run a 6.7-kilometer Oh, is loop. this
0: the chick who won it? The American girl who uh, um,
1: So, like, th- there was, um, yeah, the guy that won it um, that won it last year. Uh, sorry, just this recently. Oh, God, what's his name? But there was a there's a Singaporean guy called Joshua Toe who, like, did 75 hours of doing it when it was out in the u.s and oh what's the uh, harvey harvey uh, uh i forget his surname off the top of my head uh but yeah he did like 100 they did 104 hours of oh, just yeah. doing like loops every yeah, hour yeah, yeah. and you'd get in like in 50 minutes or so have 10 minutes just to for you all and get back yeah. out
0: there see um, i probably wouldn't be any good at that like, i could do it do you know what i mean but i wouldn't be it wouldn't accelerate
1: it. Well, this is the thing. There's no... Unlike high rocks where it's, you can go, oh, you need to be this exact weight and height. Mm. There's no... So the Harvey, the guy that won it, is 50, 51 or 52. The other guy that he was this assist that did like 103 laps against his 104 is like 30 oh, and like right. 29 and it's just like a, a completely different build. Yeah, yeah, complete, yeah. There's no there's no exact oh fast people are really good or slow people are yeah, better yeah, like yeah. the guy Singapore from Singapore George Chiroteau he's like a really slow runner but he can just gut it yeah, out yeah. for days so. well, I'm
0: looking forward to the day they do the 24 high rocks the 24 hour high rocks and now I'm like right now yeah I've yeah yeah is that even going to be on there well, mate I've emailed in I said hey come on let's make this a competition and um, <laughs> the, the, the one I've actually got my eye on next I want to do the full spine for sure but uh, I'm studying at the moment so it won't be for another year or so but uh there's one the, the tunnel run. Okay, have you yeah, heard of this? I've heard of this. Yeah. So it's two hundred miles in the, in dark, the tunnel. Yeah, 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 just up and down the tunnel. And yeah. like, what made me want to do that is one, if you've not eaten in like one of the eating in the dark restaurants, it yeah. <laughs> drives me a bit mad. Um, and like having done the Arctic, where I was saying you're looking at a white dot from your head torch, yeah. and then black, yeah, yeah. So that plays on your mind that, <laughs> and you can't see anything. Yeah. So that. Like the the mental element of that in a tunnel, so it's like I think it's like twenty laps, basically ten miles there and back, or something. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so that just because it just sounds sadistic, like,
1: yeah. it just really appeals to me. <laughs> yeah, that sounds cool. Well, mate, I'm uh, interested to see what you get up to next, and uh, and yeah, and we'll be following you at the next uh, next hire. it's Good luck <laughs> thank in Korea, thank and you then uh, and then back in Singapore in come in April. Yeah. But nice one, Phil. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for coming on. Lovely, thank you very much. Cheers. The truthful story of the ever ask. stop the complaining because things ain't that bad hello mr rick stockfish how are you doing sir Got pew how are you mate very well yeah i'm good man i'm good what an absolute madman mr
2: phil snowden is snowy i know right he's uh i mean you guys talked about goggins at the end i felt a bit like you know you do when you, you've read a goggins book just listening listening back to that interview so I was listening to it yesterday. I went straight straight into the gym, hit a bit of a session in the gym. It's quite inspiring. Um, For sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I don't think anyone should necessarily follow in his footsteps, but um, yeah, what a dude!
1: Have you trained with him before as well?
2: Have yeah, I did. To- I did a session with him, and actually, I I planned to sign up with him. And then we then we made the move to Spain, but yeah, he was great. And it's you know we did. He didn't really go in depth on the PT side, um, but he's got a great approach. And he was looking at you know where have you, where have you been injured in the past. You know, what are the imbalances? What can we do around that? Um uh, yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, he's got a, a fascinating background. I didn't realise
1: actually, I hadn't known that he had a military background, but it kind of that does make sense. Um, but I, I loved his story about his doing the tough mudder and uh the 24-hour one, and the guy's going, Oh, come on, Snowy, you might as well drop out now. Try. And uh and we often used to ask uh guests around their their favorite uh DNF or um and uh it's interesting how dnf can just actually sort of like be formative for you going forward right
2: yeah yeah i mean it's funny though like i thought military training was supposed to make sure you know always be prepared you know do sweat and small stuff make sure you know your details and he couldn't be further from that right he's turning (laughs) up to races with no idea how far he's running and what kit he needs but toughing it out and getting through them
1: Yeah, to do the Borneo, uh, that Borneo 100 miler and uh, had only been doing 8K runs and just go and stomp out. I remember when he did that. And I I seem to remember thinking exactly the same thing, though. Oh, gosh, going straight in for a miler is a bit, is bitten off a bit more than he can chew. But some people are just built with different stuff.
2: Yeah. And as, as you guys talked about, it's a mindset thing as well at a certain point, isn't it? And just being like, push on, whether you've got you know, problems with your shins or your hip or whatever else. Um, but he certainly seems to have found his niche, right? High Rock seems to, like, absolutely fit his skill set. Without planning it, he'd been doing, you know, ultra versions of each of the disciplines there. Um, you know, I wonder I wonder if anyone in the world has pushed his sled as far as he has.
1: Yeah, that sled thing just it boggles my mind. I, I don't know whether there is any, uh, any kind of record on it, but it just uh, seems crazy, and um, I, I'm like, I will share a link to the to the blog as well. But just the physiological change that he had from doing that for that period of time and just the the combination of it being both an anaerobic anaerobic exercise at the same time, just basically transforming his body is pretty crazy.
2: Yeah. And I quite like the way he sort of talks about himself as almost like a bit of a lab rat, like he was just interested in. Yeah you know he was he was amazed at what the human body not specifically his but just what a human was capable of yeah yeah and uh i
1: I honestly i'm very interested about this high rock so uh i think i i don't know if i told you before but i went and did the just a um relay like team event where you just do two of the exercises and yeah it's interesting the people you get there they're like you know you've got loads of like ripped pt guys that are like uh that are walking around there but i don't know if they're the optimal athletes to be able to do it like because because the the kilometer run in between each one is like a decent like doing an 8k run is like a decent distance and a lot of these um a lot of these gym rats just don't um don't run so i'm actually quite keen to to um maybe do a duo with someone and when it comes back to uh singapore and give it a crack because like moira won the um moira the physio who we've had on before she won the the women's one which wasn't she i don't think she raced the pro i think she did the open and she she won it like really convincingly but she's going to uh europe for the finals to do to take on the the pro in the finals but um yeah i mean she's she's strong but like she's not like what you would typically think of as a kind of OCR obstacle course race athlete she's just an incredible runner and she's like physically physically strong but um yeah it, and it seems like uh Phil Snowden is like the optimal athlete i think the the ones that are kind of and actually he says about the height and weight right and he's like the exact height and weight you need to be but yeah like six two and like eight uh and sort of like around 87 kg or something is kind of like the um the optimal and you can yeah you can see it there and they're just all in like i mean the photos that we like uh um that he sent through is just in absolutely shredded shape but I mean, if you're a PT and live in the gym, you've got no excuse, really.
2: Well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, and it does seem to be a pretty interesting mix of of, of power, strength and endurance, right? And as you said, they've got to be able to run those 8K. And I was looking at his times and they were, you know, it was sub 4Ks and then he got a bit slower, obviously, over the next, over, you know, the remaining rounds. And I don't think you guys got into it really, but I'd be interested to know where he thinks he can, you know, cut some cut some time off and make some marginal gains. Obviously, you know, he's dealing with that hip injury, um, yeah. but you know to get you know the dis- the difference between what did he say he did 107 and the world the world record at 55 is, is pretty big and you know each of those things like you know you're not going to find someone much better than phil at some of those disciplines um yeah. <clears throat> you shave a bit off each run you've got to get the gains from somewhere but yeah i'll be interested to know what he's going to be working on specifically to improve uh, yeah no it's
1: a, it's a good question I should have asked like I'm sure he could shave some off the uh, um off the the run a little bit but um yeah yeah I said to him like to get down to start doing a, a few track sessions I'm going to drag him um drag him down soon well I suppose
2: it's, it's also a it's also a, a, a practicing isn't it right like he, he knows how to do as he said he, he he's got the efficiency down for all of those exercises he doesn't want to go all out because he knows he's got to run in between them but having done you know the more of these high rocks events you do i guess the more he'll know when to push
1: when you can, push it, yeah. to, when you can push it
2: yeah when you can pacing on it, to leave it in the tank for the next part
1: yeah it's very challenging to pace yourself on it especially they all go out like guns blazing and then you go straight into like the skier and smashing out and then you like and then go straight into the run again and you can easily blow a gasket like very early in it. So yeah, it's very, it is important to sort of pace yourself through, but, um, but no, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to either get like a relay team or go and do it as a, as a duo. I think when it's back in uh, April, if I haven't got like, a crazy, crazy ultra going on, Um, but yeah, talking about crazy ultras, we had uh, yeah, it was Translantau last weekend as well. I don't know if you, you followed the Translantau by UTMB at all, but um. Yeah, it was a. I think it's the um the first time they've done a hundred and I call it one forty, but it's one hundred and thirty k. And then did a and then had a hundred k. And um, uh, Stingray once again like smashed the fifty. He's just uh, the guy is just absolutely um flying at the moment. He's unbeatable. Um, and uh, and Sunmaya came like first female there, just like half an hour, just under half an hour, behind him. Sunmaya and the the Nepalese and um, uh in the uh North Face adventure
2: team. Um yeah, I mean that's it, isn't it? A couple of guests, and then Esther Esther won the the, the women's hundred K. Um, it's obviously a reasonably competitive field, I think.
1: Um yeah, I mean they they have there have been really competitive. There's lots of sort of um Chinese and uh and in the and the one forty a like Chinese and Japanese runners that were um that were winning. I think the um yeah, like Esther. And actually the times were like reasonably, I mean, it's Lantau, right? So the elevation is like, is is pretty crazy for the 100K, but the winner was 12 hours for the 100K, which is, yeah, it's rapid. And then, um, and yeah, Esther, um, so it was, was uh, Guangfu Meng uh, China, from China in 12, 12.03 for the 100K and Esther in 13, uh, 13.50 for the female. But um, but yeah, great yeah, to he, see her back on, her on the horse.
2: Yeah, and a decent showing from from both North Face Adventure Team and and previous endurance safety guests So just looking at that top ten finishes overall for the fifty k, Stingray number one, Sun Maya was third overall, um, Chung was sixth, uh, Veronica was eighth. You know. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. Veronica's decent, back as well going. after having a having a having a baby. Yeah, um, yeah. And the one forty, I actually didn't know about this guy, but an uh, English guy called uh, Tom Jolly. Isn't that? Wasn't there like a a, a skit There's show a Dom, like Tom? Dom Jolly, that's Dom Jolly, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the huge,
2: uh, the huge phone. Hello, poor bloke. <laughs> no. poor bloke goes out and wins a hundred mile, hundred k race, and, uh... and it was like hello. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: But um, but yeah, no, I, I was like, I don't really know this guy. And actually, you look at his. I think he came nineteenth in UTMB um, yeah. just last year. So I know it's sixteenth he came. Yeah, so. i
2: um, yeah, but just looking he, here, and he he finished a full hour ahead of second place. So he was yeah. sixteen forty seven and the next guy was was seventeen forty nine.
1: Um, yeah, Young Cho Yun. Um and Jeff, uh, Jeff Campbell
2: Jeff Campbell in eighth yeah
1: yeah that's the the sort of biggest distance jeff has ever done when i when i saw him at um at vmn he kind of said oh yeah i'm thinking about four trails but you, he'd never done a miler before and that was part of the um the application prerequisite that you've done a miler and so he was originally planning to do Translantau and then run an additional 30k around murray to get the miler distance um but yeah no he didn't do that <laughs> and I think he's def- I think he's gonna uh, he's gonna give it a go next year I think he's um uh but um but yeah that would have been uh, that would have been quite funny um but yeah um we've got the the UTMB uh Thailand coming up the door in uh in a couple of weeks uh, heading up for that um but there has been a, a a kind of I suppose you could consider a bit of a competition for UTMB that's just popped up as
2: well right? Yeah well it's funny because we were talking last time I think about um you know some of the controversy around UTMB taking over or you know r- running their own events in places that have had you know long standing more locally organized events in the past and, and you know there's clearly a bit of a dialogue about whether whether this is a good thing for the sport or not but yeah now we've got this this um what's it the World Trail Majors yeah uh, you know that, a, a, a collection of races around the world which includes um you know, Hong Kong Hundred, um, so kind of going almost head to head with with Translantar, UTMB.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was there was a it was kicking off a few weeks back, wasn't it, with um, Gary Robbins's race in uh, in um, in like, Canada, and that it had yeah. been taken over by by UTMB race. And there's kind of been a a feeling of around sort of like a bit of anti UTMB a, a little bit. I mean, I, I ever since that. Um the Iron Man kind of came in and like uh, and uh you know, commercialized it, which you know i I think I think we both believe this, but actually a certain amount of commercialism is actually great, like there's all of these athletes which are training full time they need to be able to get um they need to be able to get paid and and like whether it be through sponsorship, I mean actually that was one thing, I'm not sure if you saw Ryan did a post about it in the North Face team there was no prize money in in uh in trans tower by utmb and he was sort of kicking off i mean there's an argument there he knew that there was no there wasn't yeah, yeah. any prize money going in the first place but you know there probably should be in these um in these utmb races for, for the elites but um so yeah it's all very well like bringing it some some more structure and professionalism and commercialism to it but but great but like let's start paying these athletes you know and that was actually one of the questions that i asked phil around uh, high rocks like are you getting yeah. paid for it he's like no he's like and even getting through to the finals of it you you he said you got um you were able to enter into the getting to the finals you had to pay 300 but you also only had 48 hours to to get in and he he did it he didn't do it in time and they're like no sorry you missed out and like you have got, so he's having to go to Korea to qualify for it. But um, I think it just goes to show that like you just for the elites, they just need to be able to get a bit more support. And and then hopefully that with the um like with, with this new um, new series, it can uh, um, with the World Trail Majors, it can yeah, bring it like a little bit more for the athletes and attract the um the top athletes to it still. I mean, they're all such amazing races that I think they're races that people, that the elites want to do anyway. Um, But yeah, let's hope so the the top athletes can get rewarded as well.
2: Yeah, and you, we've seen like with, with Asia Trailmaster, the benefits that come from kind of putting separate events under one umbrella kind of gets people kind of a bit more excited, perhaps a bit more willing to travel, you know, kind of trusting that these have already been if you're going to make the effort to train and travel for an event that it's been vetted and it's of a certain standard um and it makes perfect sense although speaking of you know standards and, and what you'd expect from a particular race you know we saw uh that news in the week about tom evans out training for um ultra trail no. Town, which is which is part yeah. of this new you know um world series it was one of the nine races yeah yeah but getting getting seemingly quite badly mugged while out training in the mountains, yeah, he got like, like, like his decade. phone,
1: his watch, and his wedding ring all taken. Out. And he, t- like, I, I, you immediately think, surely he could outrun them. But, uh, but he did try and,
2: uh, like defend himself. But, um, but yeah, oh, that must yeah, have been not, a really- Yeah. He's ex army as well, isn't he? Like, like, uh, like Snowy. But, um, yeah, it sounded, it sounded pretty rough. He sounded pretty shaken up by it. And it's just one of those things, isn't it? It doesn't matter where you're on the world. You don't expect two, two dudes to jump you out on the trails.
1: I mean, to be fair, in Cape Town you do like it. It is actually renowned. Of there's be, I've like heard lots of horror stories of of muggings around there. Um, and it's one of those things, right? It was training the week before the race, so it's like you can't blame it on the race organisers. But no, no, no. Um, uh, but yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the race organisers, really. But still, it's not a great thing to. Uh, it's, not, it's definitely not great. Great branding for the race, but it's a race I've heard great things about though. It's supposed to be like spectacular course and tough, really difficult course from what I understand. Um, but yeah, this kicked off with, um, with, with nine, uh, with nine races. And they're actually the, a lot of them were races that were in the ultra trail world series. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you remember from before, mm-hmm. but um, uh, which kind of sort of, um, yeah, kind of like fitted away, flitter away. But um, yeah, this has kind of filled the void and, you know some some fantastic races i mean south downs way 100 is one that i'd be really interested in i've wanted to do that for a while obviously the ultra trail mount fuji which i mean this is another example of utmb just shooting themselves in the foot from a branding perspective and forcing ultra trail mount fuji which has been running for like almost as long as utmb i think and they like and they, they forced them to change their name um but these are like iconic um iconic races that i think uh you know are on people's uh bucket lists as well so it's good for them to to come together uh and i'm sure they'll expand um yeah i was speaking to to david lloyd of vmm and uh and he'd he'd love to be part of it i think the ethos of that race would fit in really well actually with with the majors in terms of like a, a very much focused on the local culture and um and yeah and it's like a it, just the the style of event it feels similar to hong kong 100 and i think that'd fit in well
2: yeah i mean i think it's up there isn't it there's a few races not on that list like like vmm maybe maybe um you know the some of the borneo races that are that are iconic and long-standing and you know big yeah. enough that you know they they could they could um they could stand stand alongside some of those other races
1: i wasn't sure whether they're because there's some of them which are just 100k and some which are like so you've got south downs way which is a miler and mount uh mount fuji 100 which is a miler and then hong kong 100 which is 100k so i i don't know if they i think yeah and uh, i think uh black canyon's 100k so i'm not sure if there's um if it has yeah i think it's just one of those two distances i don't think it has to be one or the other
2: yeah. It seems like it's a mix, isn't it? And it seems to be more about kind of, sort of geographic spread and, and how iconic the races are and, um, and also yeah. spread
1: throughout the year as well. Um, yeah, I, I I listened to Steve uh, Steve Brammer of Hong Kong One Hundred and a couple of podcasts, and uh, and he sort of said, look, there is not about getting everyone to someone to do every race in one year, which I'm sure someone will do at some point. Uh, but yeah, I think that they're also sort of mindful around sort of the amount of uh, of travel and everything that people do in um, in uh, like to go to races and the sort of uh, the um, the environmental impact of that but i think it's like one of the things in like in your lifetime to be able to like have done some of these uh all of these courses and i think there's just a sort of collective power with it as well with like these independent races when you feel like it feels like utmb are just kind of uh swallowing up a lot of the industry for better or worse it's uh it remains to be seen i haven't actually done a utmb race before my first one will be uh will be doy so yeah. um yeah. i'll be um uh yeah it'll be uh interesting to to see how how and that's like the one of the sort of main UTMB races or like the double stones one and and actually I don't really care about any of the stones because I don't have any any aspirations to do UTMB next year anyway but um uh it just fitted quite nicely in the schedule
2: yeah are I mean, you getting out? out yeah yeah and that's um you know we were talking before before the call about that you know the weather over here is amazing we're able to run every day and you know shirts off and it's just beautiful beautiful weather um so planning a run at the weekend from here in all the way to the to the coast um and uh just the the, the number of events that are put on here whether it's it's running or biking or gravel biking is just it's such an outdoors culture it's great um so we'll have to we'll have to get you over but i mean Doi is doy is one of the steps on your your road to four trails how's that how's that training been going
1: it's been going pretty well i've had five consecutive weeks of 100k plus which is uh, it's been a it's been a solid as we're in the like main part of the block i'm going flying to tokyo on monday but via hong kong and go and do uh lantau trail and just do the full trail as a like stopover and just get straight back on the next plane and then and then doi and then i've got a bit of time in australia where i'm going to try and find some hills um and then i'm in uh san diego where i'm running a 50 um a 50 miler in san diego and then it will be uh starting to taper off before um, b- before but i you know, i i get i get increasingly worried about it it's like with a 300k distance there's so much that can go wrong and so um yeah well uh anyway third time's a charm hopefully i'll be able to get it get it done um yeah you do, yeah, I, I think this is probably one of the better sort of training blocks I've had the best in of all three times I've attempted. So, um, you know, I've I've put everything into it. Uh but yeah, you're in Singapore next week. You'll have to go and uh, do a quick uh, smash and grab a at and Yeah, I'll uh, be back I'll uh, be back
2: at McRitchie. Shame shame you won't be there, but we'll uh, we'll catch up for the next one. Yeah, good stuff Rick. Always a pleasure, sir. Safe travels. Got a truthful story of the ever
0: stop the complaining cause things ain't that
2: bad